Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Ross Brown Show podcast. Uh, episodes one and two have gotten an absolutely fantastic response from people. Uh, on Tuesday, I've got the legendary John Spillane coming in to talk to me uh, about all things music, writing, uh, art, everything. I just can't wait because that man is an absolute fountain of knowledge and just such a great, great cultural uh, uh, icon and just, just, just a sound fucker. So I can't wait to talk to John Spillane. Uh, next Friday as well, I have another guest coming in to me. Um, his name is John Dweignan. And he is the author of the book called The Complex. And that man was a, a member of Scientology for years and has, ended up escaping Scientology. And when I say escaping, I mean escaping. He was being pursued by men in black suits through uh, train stations uh, across Europe. So that is definitely one that you don't want to miss. Uh, also as well for anybody, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, I would be delighted if you did. If you want to give us a, a review on iTunes, please do give us a star rating, preferentially a five-star rating. Makes us more visible to people as well on iTunes. So if you could do that, that would be fantastic. Also as well, share it, tell a friend. We've got loads of listeners all over the place. Uh, I'm blown away. There's people in Sri Lanka. There's people in Canada, America, England, Rome, uh, all across Italy, France, the UK, America, Australia, Ireland, of course. Uh, really, really uh, blown away by the amount of people that are listening to it and the great feedback as well. We're going to build this podcast. Uh, the first one, again, uh, was me just ranting. I think I'm going to go for every second episode will just be me giving out about shit. Uh, but just because I wanted to kind of settle in, easy in, I said the first one would be me ranting. The second one then, I really wanted to do the own Feely interview. Uh, and then this one with Kleena. I was going to put this off until episode four and just do a ranty one in the middle. But then I thought, you know what? I really, really enjoyed this. Obviously, not every podcast is going to be about mental health or physical health or whatever. It's just so happened that these are the two that kind of came to me first. Uh, but as I said, John Spillane, John Dweignan, I have some fantastic guests lined up. I also had Noogle. I had Noogle. Anyone that's ever seen the video of Noogle, he's a guy that I used to work with. And I ring him up on the radio every once in a while and do a quiz with him. Uh, and it is the, literally the funniest. The man is just, he's an anomaly. Right, so go and check out my Facebook and check out my Noogle videos. But I'm going to be doing a full podcast with Noogle, and I fucking can't wait. But he cancelled me. Uh, he can't, but he cancelled on me today at the last minute. I think it's because when I, <laughs> I once asked him how many days in a week, and he said six. I swear to God, he said fucking six. And I, <laughs> I think he thought he didn't have work today, and then he must have because he didn't realize there was seven days in a week. People keep asking me, is he real? He's fucking, he's not, he's not fake. He is a 100% real human being. I kept his number for four years from the time I used to work with him because I thought if I ever get anything on the radio or podcast, this fucker's coming on. He's a fucking, <laughs> he's just a gift, a gift from the heavens above. So please do enjoy this podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, just uh, sit back and relax. I think it's an hour long interview. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, The Ross Brown Show presents Cleana Hanlon. Explain wellness for anybody that wouldn't be au fait with the terms. Okay, so I suppose it's become it has become very um, a very popular marketable word. Really, like I think if you break it down, wellness is anything that kind of enables your mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Yeah, pretty much. So, what is, in your opinion, the core of like you know you say you're saying mental, physical, spiritual? What is essentially the root of it? For me, for me, I think it's different for everyone. Uh, like what enables your wellness might be completely different to what enables mine. For me, it's very much um, a feeling, an emotional mm -hmm. um, thing. That's the root cause for me personally. 
Um, so definitely like finding things that enable, enable and stabilise my emotional um, well-being would always be paramount for me in my life these days, really. That's where I put my focus and that kind of spills out down into every other part of my life. Do you think that, uh, like I look at I look at wellness and mental health and stuff and mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, we're coming to a kind of a, you know, a, a new kind of, a new door where everybody's kind of starting to notice that it's there because before past generations mm-hmm. people just went oh your man's your man's gone mad or your man's your man's gone doolally or John's a bit sad there so we leave him alone there for three years you know what I mean it, there was this kind of don't talk about it attitude especially amongst Catholic Ireland as well where people were kind of like you don't talk about things that's in your head and especially as well when, when the, you know people were sent to asylums when they might have just been suffering from you know, postnatal depression and stuff like that. That's it. Like, I mean, Jesus, if you think about it, like, I mean, it's not that long ago people are actually being electrocuted as yeah. a form of helping with mental illness. Like, that's mental. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like, and it's even touching on things like postnatal depression. Like, it's so common these days. And like, as you said, it, I think there is a lot more awareness around mental health, which is absolutely fantastic. And it's great that you've got the celebrities standing up and being, you know, advocates for it. Personally, I think like there has been so much awareness made that it kind of needs to start turning a little bit more and become more about kind of empowerment from, okay, you're suffering with a mental health disorder, totally get it, but it's about empowering people now and um, getting them to a point where, you know, if the mental health starts to slightly dip, that they have enablers to help them kind of get back up on track again. Yeah. Everybody has mental health. Of course. This is something that whenever, you know, whenever you hear somebody come out and say, I suffer from mental health mm-hmm. issues. People start going, oh, <laughs> guess who's got mental health issues? They must be trying to book a tour or sell an album or do stand-up. You know what I mean? That seems to be absolutely. the thing. It seems, absolutely. It, it, it is always tied to, you know, especially in, in, the, in the world of celebrity, it seems to be perceived as being attached to a PR spin or it seems to be attached to, you know, you want to get on the late, late? Tell them you're sad. Mm. That seems to be the attitude. Whereas what, what I find is that Everybody has a mental health issue. Of course. It's the people that have a platform are the ones that are speaking out because they feel that if they do it, they're normalising it. Mm-hmm. And I think that they get chastised unnecessarily because people think, oh, your man's just saying it because he wants to get on TV to chat about something. Whereas it's not. It's that person is just trying to highlight something so that John sitting at home goes, oh, Jesus, maybe I'm not. Maybe it's not just me because isolation is one of the worst things for your mental health. Totally. Like, you know? And it is about like it is about normalising it. It is about speaking up and saying, you know, this is something that's normal. Like, you know, I think there's probably still is a little bit of a stigma around mental health. But the more we kind of unite and get together and normalise it, people people will be able to kind of take affirmative action forward to enable, I suppose, a more positive mental health. And yeah. I feel like our our medical uh, system in Ireland, our health system, doesn't isn't up to scratch with what's going on publicly, social media wise, socially. I feel that the government isn't actually up to speed with what everyone else is saying, and they're they're the reason that we're having to pick up the slack for what they're not doing. Ross, hundred percent. I had I had an incident with a local doctor of mine. Um, Probably a zero, maybe this time a year and a half ago where I went in and like very serious issue. Um, 
like we spoke earlier about um, something that happened to me in my kind of later teens and yeah. stuff, with, which I have no problem saying led to an attempt in suicide. Um, I recognised these feelings again about a year and a half ago and I had a really, really, really challenging time in my life after the birth of my daughter. Um, I had undiagnosed postnatal depression. I, when she was born, went through a period of the business where the business was just expanding rapidly. There was a lot of my energy invested into that and I just got completely burnt out. Went to my local doctor to explain to her that I was having a little bit of uh, a recurrent thoughts. Um, knew I was on the verge of being in a place I would have been uh, a few years back. And she basically wrote me a prescription and said, OK, come back again in six weeks for a repeat prescription. That's it? That was it. No, wow. no follow up call. Nothing. And I, I never went back to that surgery, obviously enough. Yeah. But I was like, this is where our healthcare system is failing us when people are handing out prescriptions. And like, there just wasn't even a, a hi, Kleena, how are you today? Like a week later. I mean, my goodness, if someone came in to me as a client and said they felt that way, I think I would have a duty of care to follow up with that person. And I'm not a medical profession. A barman would probably <laughs> do more for somebody who came in and said, I'm stressed or I'm suffering from depression or anxiety. Absolutely. Than that, like, you wouldn't give them four shots of whiskey and say, come back to me in two weeks and tell me how you feel. Absolutely. You know? And that's really, I suppose, where I remember sitting out in the car afterwards, um, that day and it was like it was a day like today it was really wet grey skies and just looking out there going I actually really need to pull myself together take matters into my own hands and find a really good strategy that's going to work for me because I'll be damned if I'm depending on the healthcare system in Ireland to sort out my my mental my mental health issues yeah but that's the thing when people say my mental health issues it does have this it does have this bowling ball effect of, of kind of you know, as soon as you do it, it's almost like a it's almost like a full stop. When you say my mental health issues, people kind of go, "Well, that's the end of that conversation, don't they?" <laughs> they do. No, they do. They do indeed. But like the reality of it is, like I mean, I don't think I don't think everyone is affected by mental health. Yeah. You know, I mean, mightn't be all of the time, but you definitely the, the go Janu- through bouts of it. The January blues, absolutely, are a mental health health issue. But yeah. it, here's the thing, right? People think people think that their brain is is Here's the hard thing to, for people to separate. And this is something I have. Uh, I've got social anxiety, which is people find it baffling mm. to go. How can you stand up in front of an audience of 700 people mm. and look like you're having the time of your life and then say that you've got social anxiety? I never get social anxiety in a situation where I'm in control. So when I'm on stage, everyone's watching me and I, it's not social for me. It's, uh, it's, a different, it's a different mindset. It's a different gear. I understand. Whereas if I'm walking into a wedding, and I only know 10 people at the wedding, then my social anxiety will kick in. Uh, or if there's, if there's fun expected. So if we're, if we're gearing up, if we're gearing, I, I genuinely think I might have mild autism. When we're gearing up to an exciting event, I will start to, you know, whether it's Christmas or Paddy's Day or a big, you know, uh, st- I never go on stags. Never, ever have I ever gone on a stag. Really? Didn't even have a stag for myself. We ended up just all the men because we got married abroad so all the men one day just decided we're going out tonight lads and I was like I'm cool with that because there's no pressure and there's nothing whereas when there's fun expected I start to overanalyse and then I feel like I'm responsible for a lot of that fun so then I start to kind of get social anxiety or also I always over emphasise 
what I what I I project what I think other people are expecting of me. So then I start expecting it of myself, and then I start revolting against that, going, "Well, I'm not going to be fun." <laughs> so then I start going, "I'll just stand in the toilet all night and just stare at the wall and count the clock down." It gets it gets really crippling. Like I've had moments, and the first time I had it, I had like a breakdown. You know, like this is only going back three years ago. I had like a you know a four day kind of five day breakdown where I just sat in the bedroom at times and just just cried in the bedroom couldn't stop and was like what the hell is wrong with me mm. there's something wrong with my head went to the doctor and the doctor said uh, do you want medication I went I don't want medication uh, and then she went alright so we'll do blood test you could have an overactive thyroid or something I went cool give me a blood test I've never heard back from that doctor in three years do you know what I mean I've <laughs> rang that doctor three times just, just to go by the way have I got AIDS you know- <laughs> Oh my God. Any, no, any chlamydia or anything that oh, I should know about stop. and they have they have, I've rang three times for the blood test results and they've never so I started to do my own I, I, I literally same same as you I walked mm. out that day and, and when I didn't hear anything back I went do you know what I can actually now that I've said it I can actually do something about this myself and then That's immediately it. It, 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 I actually trivialised everything that I was building up to like I had this massive dam in front of me mm. that I couldn't and it, it was insurmountable and then as soon as I said it I was like oh it's not a dam it's a little wall I can hop that totally. it might take a bit of work but I can hop it and do you know what you hit the nail on the head there really like by saying like you know as soon as you kind of accepted it like and I think you know even from my in my personal experience like I think I've known for quite a while that I, I, I went through periods of it was more depression really with me yeah. Um, very rarely have I suffered from anxiety thanks be to God Um, but I've known it for kind of like quite a while but I just wasn't really willing to accept it and until I actually was like right look this is part of your life it's about this is your here and now this is your current reality and it's it's the measurable steps you take kind of going forward now to manage this keep it at bay and stuff like that that will actually enable you to have a good quality of life Yeah. and I actually think it's very inspirational of you like to just say I'm not having this tag because this just doesn't suit me as a person like it actually takes it takes a lot of balls to kind of do something like that to be like no I'm not comfortable in that environment I've kind of learned now or I, I, I've like in in a lot of ways I did try and force myself into situations and I went this is a challenge try and you know so we were going to you know a wedding or something and yeah. I went this is a challenge so recognise what you're feeling and then try to navigate that with as much thought as I possibly can mm. and to be able to understand that then no one's going to set me on fire today so my day is <laughs> immediately better than probably 20% of the world today <laughs> so like it's just it's all just my head like it's just me Yeah, you know and like the, the the connection between your head and your body, people start to because your identity is all based in your head. Mm-hmm. Like you're you in your mind, and that's your identity. So everything that happens in your head, for you, it's that's who I that's who I am. Mm. Whereas your brain is just an organ in your body, totally. And your 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 brain operates like a very intricate one, but it's it's the same as a liver. If your liver was fucked, you'd go to the doctor and say my liver's fucked, but you wouldn't go you wouldn't go. I as a human being I'm yeah. not good enough because my liver is you just say fix the fucking liver totally. but when your head is when your head isn't right or when your brain or your mind isn't right mm. you, you immediately think no there's something wrong with me like as in there's something wrong with Ross not just a part of me it's, it's me like and that's what that's where I think the isolation comes is because you're on your own in your head totally and everybody else is outside it so you do feel sometimes if you can allow it to you feel like no one no one's with me in this it's mm. just me which can be crippling or it can be liberating, you know, in, in other ways. Yeah, and I suppose that's where, like, that's where people who have 
kind of like gone through bouts of either anxiety or depression or whatever it may be, like do feel kind of like an inner calling to speak out once they've come through and say, look, I've had this and it's just to, to show like, you know, and it is, it is, a, it is a place where you do feel very alone and stuff and like just to kind of reach out and try and connect with other people and get kind of some divine inspiration and how to get, get better or, um, to, to get stuff that would kind of enable your wellness which I know you had asked me earlier like well, what am I passionate about now like that was it for me was to actually look at it in that exact way and be like right there's something chemically wrong with your brain yeah. that you actually need to take kind of progressive steps forward and find out how to fix that and then you not, need to start challenging those limiting beliefs that are going on in your head um, and that led me on to uh, a course that I'm doing at the moment for life coaching and stuff which was the biggest voyage of self-discovery ever it's been a magnificent tool to help me kind of like re-identify with who I am and who I want to be as a human going forward along with all of the enablers for my kind of mental and emotional wellness now so yeah pretty good idea who I am now I'm fascinated by thought mm. like I'm in the business of thought mm. you know what I mean and and that's why I never wanted to take medication was because I don't ever want to externally dull or manipulate what goes on naturally in my because I, I actually went I can either be like this forever mm-hmm. or I could be better, but maybe I'll fuck up the thing that makes me able to, to create, you know, the creativity, the comedy, the writing, whatever. So I went, I'd actually happily just continue on as I am <laughs> to, to maintain the comedy thing or to maintain the creativity. But I'm fascinated by the way people think. I said it to my wife about two weeks ago and she's still mocking me over it. The fact that I said, I was like, you're your own human being. I was like, you're, you're, you're completely separate to me. You're this kind of, you're autonomous, you're this, you're this completely separate human being and you're you to you, but you're also mine and I'm yours. And even though we're living together, we're still operating completely separate to each other in our own. And she was like, are you after fucking getting spiked or something? I was like, no, no, no. What weed are you smoking? I was like, no, no, no. It's just, and I I came to this realisation because I'm always looking at people going, I wonder what they're thinking now. Like I'm always watching, I'm a people watcher anyway. Totally. And I'm always watching them going, I wonder what that person thinks about when they go home. I wonder what they're thinking about now. I wonder how it is to be that person in their head. Mm. Do you know? Like, and for me, that is one of the most intriguing things is that everybody is me to them. Indeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you're looking at a guy in the street, to him, he's me. You know what I mean? We are. As we, in he's his own me. Like, you know, he's not me. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we are individuals, but we're like, I mean, we're all connected in spirit. So there's bits of us in everyone, really. Like, you know. Yeah. Am I getting a bit spiritual? No, you? no. And you know, you, you go, go wherever you no, want to like, go. But what like, do you mean we're like, connected by spirit? Like, I suppose, like, we're all universal source energy. Yeah. Like, you know, energy can either be created or des- or destroyed. Um, so Energy like, cannot be created Cannot be created or destroyed. <laughs> Energy is eternal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, like, they're like, even though we are like all individual and separate, uh, like, there's all bits of us and everyone as well. Yeah, well, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a collectivity to us. Like. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, in terms of you know, in terms of your daily, you know, mental health regime mm-hmm. or your daily kind of um, uh, mindfulness or well well being and all that kind of stuff, what is your is there are there things that you practice every day Absolutely. that you're like they're my staples? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like obviously they vary. I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm like firing on all cylinders, I probably have a little bit more space to to do a little bit more. If I go through a period where 
I feel like I need to focus in on my wellness. I do kind of zone in on things that I that I need to do a little bit more. But like my basic kind of day would be I'd wake up anything from between six and half six. Um, I do like about 10, 15 minutes of meditation. Usually something by Abraham Hicks. Um, I don't know if you've ever yeah. listened. Love Abraham Hicks. Um, I'd sit down for about five or ten minutes go through some powerful morning questions so it's kind of setting up my mind frame for the day you know like you know how am I feeling now just touch in with myself and obviously go from there then to decide what I'm going to do next so this is like self-auditing oh absolutely not Scientology no not Scientology no 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 it's not religious based no Um, neither is Scientology that's for tax purposes (laughs) (laughs) but that is part of what Dianetics was when the, right. the, the thing that started Scientology was was self auditing, was to check in with yourself and to be able to separate yourself from your your emotions from your from your brain. Like yeah, hundred percent. So how do you do it? What's the what's the conversation? Do you actually have a mental conversation? Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, how are you feeling now? So just check in, like after my meditation. Then obviously, like you know, um, if if I feel like I need to do a little bit more, I'll go back then and do a small little bit more meditation. Um, how are you feeling about the day ahead? Is there anything like crucial you need to get done by by this time tomorrow? Where do you want to put your focus in for the day? What's the most important thing you? What's the most important thing that you get done today? Mm-hmm. I usually kind of focus in maybe on one thing, just like uh, it, it could be spend two hours quality time with Sienna, or it could be like I have this assignment to do for my thing. I, I pick one main focus for the day, um, and then what what attitude um, are you bringing into the day ahead with you? Yeah. So that's kind of my mind frame set, set up every morning. Um, then usually Sienna toddles in at around anything could be from seven to half seven. Um, yeah, probably around then. So I'd spend a little bit of time with her in the morning, ask her how she slept, if she had any dreams and stuff. Then we'd get up, go down, have breakfast. Always do freshly cooked breakfast in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, have a little play around. Then it really, like, it really depends. Then, like, I can be in work sometimes. I could be studying. I could be dropping Sienna to yeah. to her to her school or whatever. Um, I'd have a look then probably at my my goals. I'd have goals say for uh, quarterly, uh, yearly five years, whatever, to see am I on track with them. Um, I would exercise four to five times a week, eat a very healthy, balanced diet, take supplements. Like that sounds, that sounds like a lot of work. Insofar as, if if it becomes routine, then it can be, you know, it can can be something that's all right, but manageable. But to me, that sounds like it's, it's counterintuitive to who we are as, I think we're self-destructive creatures. I think we're, we're we're drawn to things that fucking kill us. If you think about, like, I mean, people jump out of fucking planes. <laughs> they fucking drive motorbikes through fucking fire. People smoke. People drink. People put shit in their bodies they're not meant to put in. They eat all the bad shit. Tastes nicer than all the good shit. We know that. We tell ourselves it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, but no but one's ever went into. No one's ever went. Do you know what I'd love today? Some fucking kale. Nobody. <laughs> Fucking nobody. Ben and Jerry's don't do kale flavoured ice cream. There's your fucking proof in the pudding. It does sound like a lot of effort to me and I find that I have more of a a natural tendency to go for self-destructive patterns of... Now, in in terms of I don't go down a bottle of vodka. (laughs) I barely even drink. But in terms of 
it, it seems like it's always a conscious effort to do the thing that's better for you Absolutely. than it is to do the thing that's not. 100%. It's much easier to sit down than go to the fucking gym. Of course it is. You know? But like it's about being disciplined and like Will Will Smith is a huge wellness advocate at He's the moment. He's amazing. Like he, like, but he actually came up with um, something there recently. I was listening to Walking Back from the gym one day um, and he was saying like, you know, it's all about self-discipline and like self-love is about being disciplined about the, the choices that you make and you know wellness is a conscious daily effort like yeah, yeah it is it is work but I enjoy it I enjoy the feeling I get from it much more than I enjoy being in a place where I don't feel okay so I and, and I want to I want to be a good advocate for my daughter as well to show her this is the normal way you should be living yeah. that like I think it's changing kind of like generational mind frames as well around the way I was reared and what was considered normal. That Looking now, I'm kind of going, yeah, that probably wasn't that normal. So like it is, yeah, it is conscious daily effort, but I'm quite happy to do it with the, with the benefits I get for it from in my life. I wouldn't force it on absolutely anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have gone through periods in my life where it was very self-destructive behaviour. Um, but I thought I was happy then with that, but... I wasn't really. Yeah. I genuinely am very happy the way I live my life now and, and I wouldn't change it. Now, that's not to say that I don't have a better balance and I don't go out and have fun, but yeah. but it, everything is considered. Yeah. Like, I find it's a constant fight. I find, there's a con- I, I find there's a constant duality going on where, for example, if I get given a really great opportunity and someone says, hey, we love, we love your new script, get it written in a month, <laughs> And then my brain will go, and it's not self-destructive, even though it is, but it doesn't sound self-destructive in my head. So it's not like my brain's going, don't bother writing the script, you know, fucking, <laughs> you know, just fucking eat burgers and time to fuck it. It's not that, but my brain will go, do you know what you should do? You should start painting. <laughs> and, then, what the, and then I'm going, yeah, painting. That's a great idea. What a fucking amazing idea. And then I'll start painting, and then all of a sudden the guy will ring me and be like, is that script? And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. I just literally, it's it must be a procrastination thing. Totally, but, it is. But it's not don't do anything, it's do something else. Totally, This it is, fresh it, thing is more interesting. It is, like, and that actually comes up a lot in um, the course I'm doing. It's called Resistance. As humans, we naturally do resist um, things. Like, I, I even did it myself. Like, the, one of my end projects is due in on Monday. I'm working tomorrow. I'm away at my husband on Sunday. I was there last night, 10 o'clock, going... I really had like six weeks to do this. Why am I leaving it to the last minute? Yeah. That's human. That's human behavior. But it's it's learning to recognize that and to try and put things in place that kind of like that you can kind of like call out to yourself little strategies going, come on, put put a bit of time aside or whatever. It is it is normal to do that. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself spreading myself so thin. But that is, that to me is the excitement. Okay. How well, many plates can I juggle? But then, I, but then I always end up having that battle with myself going, are any of these plates being juggled properly because I'm juggling so many? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So like mm. I'll start booking a comedy tour and then three days into booking the comedy tour, I've got nine dates booked and then I'm like, I'm going to start the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here we are. But is that, is that the way, is that the way you work creatively though? Is that it, where your inspiration things, comes from? I'll have nine different projects in front of me and I'll be dipping from one into the other. I might get really focused on one yeah. if I'm, if I'm, if I'm really feeling it. Like if I'm writing a script and the script is flying and it's, you know, if it's so challenging that it, uh, it, it, it draws me in, then I'm, I'm in, I'm sucked in. But well, if I'm finding something easy, then I tend to kind of, I tend to almost resent the easiness of it and then go, well, it must be shit because I'm really doing this very naturally and easily. So I'll I'll almost try and handicap myself and go do something else. <laughs> I think you'll find, though, a lot of creative people work 
kind of like that. You know, I know myself, mediocrity cripples me. Like yeah. I, I like to have a lot going on in my life. It it suits me that way. But it's about kind of finding that harmony of like, you know, what's what's enough to keep you kind of engaged and well in doing it? And where do you need to kind of go, okay, now we need to kind of slightly slow down. It's the hustle and flow really like, isn't yeah. it? And I think people kind of tend to forget that in today's society. It's all about like, get things done, 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 done. And they forget about the balance and the, the, the kind of harmony Mediocr- along with me- it. Mediocrity is one of my biggest fears. Totally, I As hear in, you. If somebody gives, if somebody gave this podcast a one star review and said, he, and, and if the, in the podcast if they said he's a fucking cunt, he's a he's not fucking funny. I fucking hate him. I hope he dies. I hope his house catch on fire. I'd be going, all right. That that's that someone hates me and and brilliant. Totally. If, if someone gave if someone gave me a, a three star review and went. It's all it's right. All right. Like, then I'm like, fuck! I dropped the ball there. There's something totally mediocrity. Absolutely, and I don't. I don't know. Do you do you believe in any type of afterlife or or? Oh, yeah, I do. I absolutely, absolutely. Like, um, yeah, and that's and that's why. Like, you know, we're here. We're here for a good time, not for a long time. But yeah. but do I believe in an afterlife? <laughs> that could be a totally different podcast series. <laughs> um, I do. I do. Like, I fully, I fully believe that, like, the people that have gone before me are still very present and with me. Um, I'd get kind of signs a lot of the time. My even my daughter kind of picks up on it occasionally. Like, any, I'd say I always am finding white feathers everywhere. Um, my grandmother, who I'd have been really, really close to, um, passed away after Sienna was. I think Sienna was about a year, year and a half, and um, she picks up the feathers now. She's like, "Look, Granny Susan." So yeah, most definitely would would believe in an afterlife. Yeah. How about yourself? No. Really? No. Oh my god. And I take no comfort in the fact that I don't. Oh. Like I'd love to be able to believe in the afterlife or God or any type of uh, overarching power over me because I'm like, if this is it, how futile oh. is this? Because I I look I look at I look at <laughs> history and I'm going, all this time has come before us. It's indefinite in the future, and I'm a fucking blip in the middle. And I'm so concerned about fucking this wedding that I'm going to, and it means nothing. And then I go, and, hang on a second, all my work means nothing. It's <laughs> and, and that's where the mediocrity fear comes because I'm going, there's nothing after this. Like after this, it's just compost city. Like really, yeah. Oh, and in some ways it's liberating because I'm like, right, but fucking we're only here for this, so let's just do it. But in other ways, then I'm kind of going, oh, fucking hell. If you if you really start pondering it, you kind of go, fuck, this means nothing at all. Yeah, no, I would have very strong beliefs about um, about what goes on afterwards. Now, we're not like, not in a religious-y way that I, that I believe in heaven and hell and all of that. Like, but no, like, like as we said, like energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Yeah. So, so no, I do. So if you, um, do, if you don't believe it in a religious way, such as, uh, you know, putting the definition of heaven and hell on it. Yeah. What is it in your head? Okay, so like I think I think like it's just like universal source energy. Like mm-hmm. I think I think if you look at any single religion in on the whole of like Earth, they they all have the exact same message. Really, it's just it's just delivered differently. It's all energetic. Yeah. Um, I, I like it's it's varied in different times of my life. I mean, I went through a phase where I like you know angels really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would. I would really kind of resonate with a lot of the Buddhist kind of teachings, and um, a lot of the Hebrew stuff, um, but it more, more, more these days, it's kind of like the the teachings of um, Abraham and Esther Hicks, where it really is kind of like um, universal source energy and energetic beings. Do you not think that, like in my head, mm. you know, saying that we are, saying that we are uh, 
energy source beings mm. that are going to live eternally mm-hmm. or or not live but but perpetuate ourselves eternally as energy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that not just the process of decomposition and growth in in the earth that we we become part of the earth 100% yeah, but it, in terms of consciousness, though, I think you're I think you're thinking of the afterlife as a consciousness. Oh, I am. I think a lot of people Absolutely. do. Absolutely, yeah, I they, do. Yeah, yeah. Like the personification of 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 yourself, of self. Absolutely. Being how how is that though? Like here's the here's the big thing that I always have is that you know your brain, your mind, yourself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the identity stamp that you give yourself is a, a is a product of you know neurons and and electrical signals flying around in your brain. So when that's gone. Do you think that there's a consciousness that's external to that 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 most definitely continues? Your, your soul, definitely, hundred percent. Yeah, I do yeah, most definitely. Like as in, I've experienced different times in my life where I've asked for guidance and stuff, and it hasn't been from anyone kind of living in my life. You know that it's just an inner knowing and an inner inner yeah, just an inner knowing. Really, I can't even explain it any more than that. Yeah. Do you or, think that guidance? Do you not think that guidance comes from you? But you're just not tapped into it until you, until you, um, until you kind of submit yourself to like in, in asking for that guidance mm-hmm. from what you believe to be external and you know um, omnipotent or out there in the ether. Yeah, but do you not think that that's something that's inside you that you're, you've just unlocked it by asking for it, and it's actually you that's doing it. Well, that's a possibility, and I'm not trying to yeah. discredit because no, no, I'm just fascinated in the the the, the 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 differences in people's opinions. Because yeah, no, I mean it is a possibility. Like I mean, I suppose, but my beliefs are my beliefs. Yeah. They're going to be different to yours or or Michael next door there. Like, but like my beliefs, my beliefs comfort me. They give me strength. Um, they empower me to be the type of person I am and want to be. They help me. Um, so yeah, it's mad because I'm fascinated by other people's beliefs in the same way that I always go what's going on in that person's head also by people's beliefs because it is something again that I don't have yeah and maybe there's an eternal search that's going on in me perhaps always looking for I'm, I'm always I'm always interested in I'm, I'm fascinated by religion I'm mm. fascinated by uh, you know uh, you know Chinese Taoism I'm fascinated by all these different things Qi energy all these different types of things just because I'm, I'm going there if there's something what is it and if we can't pin it down to being one thing, then are any of these even close to it? I mean, I saw, I, I was in Spain and I had a half a beer. I swear to God, <laughs> it's called a Kenya. It's a small, I was living there for a year. It's, it's a, you know, the small little half yeah, glass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like a brandy glass, but it's got beer in it. I had one of them, right? I met up with three friends in a pub. We went down to the Spanish bar. We were standing at the bar. I ordered the drink. It was brought down to me. I took about two sups of it. And we were having this conversation, three of us, and I was leaning against the bar, looking out, and they were sitting either side of me. And then, uh, all of a sudden, I couldn't hear anything that was going on either side of me, except for, as if they were behind a wall. I could hear the mumbles, and they were still chatting. And my grandmother was standing in front of me, and she had a shawl over her shoulders, and she was kind of pulling it, pulling it close, like a, like a kind of a nightdress. And she was leaning into the conversation, looking to one of the people more so than the other, and she was leaning in as if she was in the conversation. And all of a sudden I started hearing, Ross, Ross, Ross. And the two people either side of me were staring at me going, Ross. And I kind of came to, and I was like, whoa, that was really fucking weird. And they were like, what? I was like, I was just, I just saw my nan. And they were like, you were just staring into space for about three minutes. And we were talking to you and calling you and you were like catatonic. But in my head, 
I can only justify that by going something fucking went off in my brain something fired or misfired and I, I must have hallucinated because in my head I can't justify it by any type of external uh, external kind of powers or entities or anything in my head I could only justify it as I must have fucking hallucinated and it, the thing is it emotionally affected me I kind of went whoa Imagine. and I, it, it kind of because it confused me so much it drained me and I was like what the fuck and I felt a bit shook after it but you know upon looking back at it I went okay this could easily be if, if I was somebody who was in Medjugorje or somebody who was in Lourdes mm. and I saw that I would I could either choose to or not choose to read into that to go oh my god an apparition just appeared to me and then attach it to all the things that are around it in the in the world and because I think we're always searching for connections totally 100%. whereas whereas I had to actually look back and go the most likely thing was something went off in my brain and I hallucinated or I was dreaming in my sleep or something because like we are always looking for patterns and what would happen what would happen if you chose to believe otherwise if I chose to believe otherwise nothing I don't think would have changed in my day to day but I think I would have if I chose to believe in that, then it would have thrown into question everything else mm. that I would kind of prescribe to and go, you know, uh, it, it, it would make me kind of go, well, if the, if that happened and it's real mm. or it, it actually happened, uh, it, it just doesn't compute. It can be a scary place to reside, though. Like, and I mean, I think a lot of people don't take paths when they don't know where they lead to. Yeah. Um. I suppose that's that. That's the thing with having faith in something. It's like believing in something that, like, you're not really sure, but you you try and trust. It's in. a reach, like, yeah. yeah it's that. Course. It's that. It's that leap of faith, it's, as they say. Yeah, like. absolutely. And I think you know, if you if you have a if you have a belief that. Um, serves you well, and you know it serves your your higher consciousness, or it's it's a it's an external guide source for you. Um, then work with it. Like some people just aren't there in their lives yet to believe that kind of stuff, and that's totally cool too. What um, would it What would it be for you? What would you take away from if hypothetically mm-hmm. they went? Actually, lads, we're all wrong. There's nothing. Would it change your outlook from your day to day? Um, what would it do to your to your psychological self if you went, oh, fuck, this is it? I think, I'm very honest. I'd say you'd have a hard time convincing me otherwise. Like, yeah. Um, but if it did... Hypothetical, if they hypothetical, went, there's proof. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because <laughs> if someone said to me... I'd be like, screw this healthy lifestyle. <laughs> I'm going out in a mad one if it's down tonight. Because <laughs> if someone said to me, there, there, there is no. a God and we've proven it, I'd no. be like, hands up, lads. Fucking hell, I was wrong. I need to start saying sorry for loads of shit. <laughs> yeah, better that's, start. That's ten jokes gone off myself. <laughs> yeah, God, you know what? Who knows? You'd have to cross that bridge. You'd have to cross that bridge when it comes to it. Um, no, do you know what? Like, I think, I still think I'm very grounded in the beliefs that the way I'm living my life now, I'm happy and content doing that. And I think it's, it's a good, it's a good way to, sh- I'm a good role model for my daughter and mm-hmm. I don't really think a huge amount would have changed. I mean, I had a wild teenage years and I've done all the stuff that you shouldn't really do. Um, so I have no regrets. I don't think there would be much that would change really. I don't think much would with many people. Like yeah. I think maybe in, maybe in the fourth century, if people found out there was no such thing as God, yeah. it probably would have, like the world would have probably burned <laughs> to dust. Like, But I think now we're just more informed in terms of our social compass Mm. And our moral compasses are so in line now that I think we kind of almost morally govern ourselves and each other. That everybody just knows if something's wrong or right ourselves. Yeah. And that, like, regardless of whether or not there's something else there, aren't we kind of just 
on the right path anyway, in general. I'm leaving ISIS out of this. <laughs> in general. And lawyers. <laughs> in general, are we on the right path? Um, or headed in the right direction, at least. In the, and what's the right direction? I think the right direction is... is, is uh, I suppose it's going back to Taoism, Chinese Taoism. It's just taking the path of the least resistance. Resistance being things that are going to make life harder for you or anybody else around you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> racism you know murder anything anything that that you know collectively if we're speaking of the collective you know in in inhibits anybody's you know rights or freedoms or there's so much information available to us now and we are like we are evolved so much as humanity as a humanity that we do know right from wrong now mm-hmm. um indeed Soz. <laughs> You can be at a loss. There's a question like that you can be at. You just can just go, like, I don't fucking know. What are you talking about? You're fucking going mental now. Right from wrong. I don't know. Do you know, like, I I just think, like, it's, a, it's an interesting one, really, because, like, I suppose when technology is evolving more and more and when you hear about kind of, like, you know, those, like, computer human things, I don't yeah. even know the right word. They fucking scared the shit out of me. Taking they over. They scared the shit I'm out like, of me. I'm like, whoa, will we start going backwards a little bit? I don't it's know. fucking just, Terminator. Yes, Have you yes, seen that fucking... Exactly. I can call her a fucking bitch because she's not even a fucking human. That's the thing. That's the, ten years' time now. They're going to be going, you can't call her a bitch. She's got feelings, too. <laughs> we put a feelings chip in her. She's a fucking bitch, man. She says she's oh. going to fucking kill everyone on earth. And then they went, oh, that was just a glitch. I was like, yeah, well, what if it's a glitch and she's got a fucking bomb or something? The fuck, fuck that. No fucking thank you. Oh, stop it. What's scar- wrong with us? It scares me too. That's though, our self destructive. Like- that's what I'm saying about our self destructive nature. Who the fuck made an atom bomb going, yeah, this could help? That's the you know? And now this fucking bitch walking around looking like us, fucking blinking like a fucking Jimmy Savile head on her. And she's fucking going, yeah, I'm going to. And everyone's going to be like, yeah, she's cool. She's cool. She's brilliant at the fucking hoovering. She doesn't complain. And then they're going to make a male version so they can be like, you know, gender equality even with people with no fucking gender. And then we're going all end up fucking subjected to them. Our jobs are being taken off us. Fucking robots everywhere. Yeah, I went to McDonald's absolutely. the other day and I didn't even have to fucking ask somebody for food. Stop. I went to a screen and I fucking, I went, you know, I'm going to try this. And I fucking, I got exactly what I wanted. And I actually went, I trust this screen more than I trust the ginger one behind the counter. <gasps> Ross. <laughs> you don't say ginger anymore either, is it? <laughs> fucking hell. World's gone mad. No, it is. It, it is. it is gone mad though when you think that like, like robots are actually going to replace things that humans are doing. You know, it's crazy when I just when I look at technology these days that I'm seeing. It's it's great, obviously, of course, it's got its benefits. But I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I fear for my daughter and her future. Like the people are just so connected to technology that they're actually disconnected from one another. Are you scared about where it's going to go? Because if technology expands exponentially the way it is, and now they're talking about you know, fifteen, twenty years down the line, there's going to be implanted technology such as your smartphone will be on your in your vision if you pull up a, a thing. You know, mm. or it'll be in your, you know, I saw this kind of phone projector thing where it's on your wrist mm. and you're able to, like, do you think that we're going, do you think that we're becoming placated or we're becoming numbed by technology? I do. Yeah, I do. Because it looks like something from fucking Black Mirror or some sci-fi shit when you see people just yeah. all sitting in a coffee shop and six people at a table are staring at a fucking screen. Yeah. And, no, and, yeah. and they're talking to other people that aren't there and yeah. they're not talking to the five people around them. It's sad really, like, isn't it? I actually, like, it's it's a crazy going to some restaurants <laughs> sometimes and they're like, you know, no Wi-Fi here. Please put down your phone and talk to one another. I'm like, oh my God, has it come to that point? Like, yeah. where we actually need 
notices to to talk to, to tell us to engage yeah. with people that Making were out Making rules with. to tell us to fucking you be know? human, like. And like even you know, in, in the course that I'm doing at the moment, we're doing like you know the, the emotional intelligence and you know the generation. I think it's Generation X and Generation Z and stuff yeah. are coming up with so many different kind of emotional issues um, because growing up with technology and stuff like that, they don't know kind of basic kind of like basic skills that they should be equipped with at this time in their lives because they're not really communicating with people around yeah. them anymore. It's crazy. I mean, no, nobody from this generation is ever going to have the joy of finding porn. Yeah. Do you know? Mm. I remember... When I was like nine or eight, somebody found a porn mag and it was like fucking Indiana Jones coming out of the Temple of Doom. We were all like, ah! We all huddle around this one magazine going, Jesus Christ. And now now it's just like, it's there. It's everywhere. It's on, it's on a device that if you're not even looking for it, it's there. Like Yeah, too readily available. Yeah, I suppose. Like as a parent, of course, yeah, definitely I'm concerned about where it's going. I suppose because like... I know myself how how much it it can impact my kind of mental health and stuff like that, but it's compulsive. Like you know, I mean. do you think there's kind of a uh, there's like a dichotomy in the fact that you know a lot of people are promoting uh, mental health and pages and and uh, well being and mindfulness mm-hmm. through a device. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Do you know what I mean? But and I know, totally. I know. Obviously, we're meant to access information through our devices, and totally. it, it is our window to the world. But people are saying, you know, be mindful and, and fucking engage with the world and blah blah blah. And you're looking at the thing that they're telling you stop looking at, but they also want you to fucking subscribe and like and all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, it's, it's catch twenty two, really, isn't it? No, like I mean, do you know, to be naive of us to think that, like, you know, technology isn't going to evolve. It's the way forward. It's the way people communicate and stuff. So, like, if they're going to be on their devices, you may as well be giving them content of, uh, of th- value, you know? I think it's a good way to cull the population. To cull Well, we've evolved past, like, <laughs> fucking getting eaten by lions and fucking shit. Exactly. And, and cold weather. We've got clothes and houses now. I think, to, I, think, I think this age of technology is the new way to cull the population. Get rid of the stupid people, at least. <laughs> There's people walking off cliffs looking for Pokemon. We do not need. We do not need those fuckers. We do not. If someone's looking for a Jigglypuff on the cliffs of Moher, I'm sorry, but they're not contributing to society. If somebody walks into a tree, about Ross, their mental health. If someone, if someone walks into a tree looking at a picture of a fucking tree, then we don't need them. Yeah, yeah. Mm, calling populations. <laughs> I gotta stop at that. You see how you take something out of context and it immediately becomes sinister. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you are on about earlier. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's just I, 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 I just find that I don't know. I find that we're becoming numbed, that we're becoming placated. It's like a, it's it's li- it's literally like the sedative. It's like the doctor going here, take them. Totally, it's numbing. Be it's it's numbing your awareness or your your. You know, you, you hear about these people saying that you know I'm awoken. I have you know, and they're they're at one like Jim Carrey. And I was walking around, yeah. and he's like fucking. He's like some guru walking around and he's like, I am present, I am here, I am conscious, mm. I am not me, I am just present watching me, all this kind of stuff. And you're going, that guy's completely tuned in, linked in with himself, whatever. Tuned in, tapped in, turned on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> whatever buzz he's on. Yeah. Like that guy knows what's going on in his, with himself in his own head. That's then, great though, isn't it? It's great. But then you're looking at other people and you're kind of going, en masse, the population are becoming sedated by the devices that they choose to have mm. at younger and younger and younger ages. Yeah, well, I suppose... Kids are going out to play now with their phones and they're standing around watching 
musically in Spotify and YouTube rather than fucking hitting each other with sticks. I know, God be with the days of Tip the Can like or yeah. <laughs> Red Rover. Or IRA. Do you know? And it's weird. Do you not remember IRA? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you grow up? <laughs> Falls Road. Uh, <laughs> IRA was, a, there was two versions of IRA. One was that there was three people on each team or there was, there was, it could have been five. So you're given a word, right? So the word could have been, I don't know, ball. And then each person is given a letter and then the other team have to chase them and kick the shit out of them until you submit your letter. And then when they get all four letters, they come back and ball and they win. Or the other version as we got a little bit older was the lads would all have an, a letter and then the girls would chase them and then the girls would maul them oh or God. feel them until the lads get, the lads would be like, I'm not giving her my, no, I'm giving her my letter no matter what. Like, Mom, I really appreciate where we grew up. This was just Tip Leesdale. the can, tip this the can. Leesdale, like we're well, giving Leesdale a bad rap now. Yeah, it was the it was the most passionate IRA story probably from Ireland in the last forty years. Like so, but you know what though, you're probably a great one while you were doing it. Oh yeah, amazing. amazing. And that is what's missing from the youth of today. What women uh, mauling guys for letters? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Extreme Scrabble. No, but actually getting out in the bloody fresh air, like and and actually mixing with one another, like you know, there's very little of that goes on anymore. I think when you go around to states. Like even in the summer, I very rarely see like loads of young kids kind of out playing with one yeah. another anymore. Sad. That's because people are afraid to let the fucking kids out oh, because of fucking paedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> paedophiles all walking off a all cliff looking at Pokemon. All of the sinister. Well, fucking, that's what people are afraid of. That's what their fears are tuned into. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the course that you're doing, right? So you 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 know what like life coaching. What are the what are the logical uh, implications or or the kind of the things that you've the things that you've noticed are the, are the kind of key factors that work. Um, like I suppose like everything I'm kind of doing like I suppose the whole thing with life coaching is that you need to kind of like walk talk and be what you're I suppose promoting and mm-hmm. encouraging others to kind of to to be like um, like loads of people think that life coaching is very different from what it is a lot of people get it mixed up with kind of counsellors and stuff like that which it's so not it's very um, present based looking to the future so kind of uses all of your current skill sets what you're actually doing really well in your life right now and builds foundations based on what's working and it then kind of points in the direction of acquiring new skills to help you go forward in a direction that you want to go yeah Um, like I love it it's been a massive voyage of self-discovery for me, over the past um, six to seven months, it took me out of a, a darker place in my life, and um, it's just really reignited my passion for for wellness, and it's probably my true path now. Um, and with all the experience I've had in life, it's really just led me to this point. Um, What's your goal? Like, do you have a like? You know, you were talking about goals earlier. Mm-hmm. You were saying that you've got a quarterly goal, a yearly goal. What's your other than not falling off that thing? <laughs> <laughs> To defy gravity. <laughs> I was like, he's challenging me now. <laughs> like, what's your, what's, because I have, okay. I would have an overarching goal over everything mm-hmm. in terms of, well, in terms of at least career or anything. Cool. I would have one overarching goal uh, that would go over everything. It umbrellas everything. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the, what for you the big goal. is your kind of like life, life satisfied? Aside from having, you know, a happy family and happy kids, because that stuff is, Hopefully everybody has that ingrained in them anyway. But what's the you thing that you're it. like, that's the, that's the chalice? Um, like I suppose I always kind of, with the way I work with goals, I always work at the end of mine. So like, <laughs> like you know, I suppose if someone was to stand up and give a eulogy at, at my funeral, 
I like I would love them to be able to say like she was someone that spread hope and spread um the message of consciousness and like the way that that you should live to live your best ultimate life to be a wellness advocate to be an advocate for um, mental and emotional health that's that's the overall big goal so it's legacy more than anything um yeah, and not in a, and not in a conceited way that it's like, oh, Clean O'Hanlon, she's X Y Z. But I, it's, I don't, it's more I don't to... think that it's conceited to say you want to leave a legacy behind because again, okay, it's, yeah. it's again, it's it's a revolt against mortality mm, to say I, I want to be remembered or I want to have made an impact. So I don't absolutely. think a legacy is conceited. I think it's a very natural thing. Yeah, okay, most definitely. Um, I think definitely just to 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 raise the vibrations of humanity. Like you know, what's I, that then in in in, in, in layman's terms? <laughs> in layman's terms. <laughs> Um, I suppose not getting it's, an, it's, not it's, your <laughs> Ann Summers rep. Uh, it's just I suppose really ultimately it all boils boils down to teaching people about um, well being. Yeah. More so, like I think if you go through um, periods in your life where you've kind of struggled or you've had kind of adversities or challenges and you've come through them and you're in a good place. Personally, for me, I think as a part of being human is to to help others and share your story because like you never know when someone else is going to use that as um as a platform for them to kind of get better from a place that they're in. Yeah, I think I read a like quote recently. I'm such a cool person. It's I love like, quotes. Don't be afraid to tell your story because it may be a survival guide for someone else. Yeah, and you know, like it's like for me, life is all about kind of like we said earlier, connections love helping each other supporting one another you know life can be challenging enough and if we can make it easier for ourselves or people around us then do you encounter a lot of negativity um as is always around um how do you deal with it i do like i suppose i like i'm extremely sensitive person um i'm an empath yeah (laughs) i've heard that term yeah um i and would have always I think until I started really focus in on wellness and what enables my wellness and stuff and to realise that I am this type of person, negativity would have adversely affected me. Um, thankfully, I'm in a place in my life now where um, if people around me are negative and stuff, I am quite aware that that's where they currently are in their lives and that's not necessarily to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if I'm around a lot of it, I would have kind of tools and techniques that I use to ensure that I'm okay and I'm grounded in that environment. Yeah, I find that I have to actively now ignore or avoid negativity mm. because I find it, uh, I find it's like water. Like, do you know what I mean? I find like if you if if you surround yourself with too much negativity, you end up having to tread water just to fucking stay above the surface. Totally, but do you know, absolutely. Like, but so even I'm, the ne- even the negativity of others. Totally. Even people, you know, everyone loves a good bitching session. Do you know what I mean? I love, I love saying the people who fucking walk off cliffs. Pokemon, you know what I mean? There's obviously that element of it. You have to be some bit cynical, but I mean, I would kind of, you know, I would have, I would try and find a, a good balance between empathy and apathy. Yeah. And I, I don't think you can be empathetic to everything because yeah. you, you fucking crumble in a corner and cry all the time because yeah. the fucking world is horrific. Well, like, do you know? like, but you have to have that little bit of like, that's not on me. So with, with yeah. negativity, I sometimes just have to go, that's not mine. totally absolutely and it is cultivating kind of you know uh, resilience within yourself to be able to actually do that like you know as I said earlier like I am an empath I'm highly sensitive I'd be very empathetic by nature Um, and I've just really had to learn how to kind of protect and guard myself in times of negativity Um, but like at the same time 
I wouldn't kind of totally dismiss people that are in a negative space because they're probably the people that need the most light and love. Yeah, well, it's, proje- it's projecting. Totally. Most people that are negative are projecting something that's broken or needs to be fixed within them. Like Totally. Why? Um, but I, I cut people out very quickly. Like, if oh, they're yeah. repeat, like, as in, I just, I don't, I don't tolerate it a lot. And, you know, thankfully, you know, I have, I have a few really good close friends, um, but, but if any of them was starting to weigh me down. Oh, listen, I've, gone. Dro- I've dropped people like strippers <laughs> drop 50 cent coins. Like, uh. But you have to, you have to. Like as you get older, like when you have more more responsibilities and you know, time is precious and stuff, you just yeah. need to keep those energy levels up. And if people aren't kind of in flow with you, bye. Yeah. What's been, what like in terms of where you are now, you seem like, you know, really together. You're, you know, mentally you seem to have, like I look talking to you and looking at you, I'm going. She's got her shit together. Like she's on top of it. You know what I mean? She's owning it. She's fucking. You <laughs> know what I mean? You. She's firing all cylinders. And you seem to, you know, that kind of that is that is you know that is a, as we said earlier, a plate spinning act. You know mm. what I mean? You, you're you're mm. keeping everything going, and you're you're making sure that you're attentive to the things that might need a little bit of an extra spin, mm. and the things that are flying away. You're you know you can kind of leave them on autopilot, and it's it's that constant awareness or mindfulness of what's going on and what what is, has the potential to crash or fall or whatever. Totally. But what has been because especially when I talk to people who have, uh, who are now aware or who are now mindful or uh, on top of an owning, you know, what they have overcome. Mm-hmm. It always comes, I always find it comes from a place of, of uh, absolute bottom. To 100%. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like what, is there, is there a moment or is there a thing that you can say, like for me, that is my bottom. Like that's the bottom of the bowl and that's where it, it that's where it manifested from. Totally. Like I've probably had like two periods in my life that I can look back at and go, Crap, they were fairly shitty times. Um, uh, one was when I was um, 18. I got pregnant. I was in a long-term relationship. I had a baby. I went into premature labour at 28 weeks and the baby was delivered by emergency caesarean and he didn't make it. So, like, there he was, <laughs> like, dealing with one thing in one hand. I was a young teenage mom, unexpected pregnancy. That in itself to bring to my parents at that time was challenging enough. Uh, they overcame that then. And then, like, looking out at life, going, okay, this is what I'm dealing with now. But look, sure, look, I mean, oh my God, you have a baby coming into the world. And then that being just whipped out from underneath your feet. I can't even begin to explain how you even try and build yourself up from that place again. Um, so that was fairly, fairly horrific. Um, went through a period of very self-destructive behaviour after that. Moved to the UK um, but thankfully, you know, it was I was young enough, and and I think when you are younger, you do have a sense of kind of resilience to kind of bounce back a little bit better. I think than if this happened to me now. Yeah. Um, like in terms of self destructive behaviour, then I mean, in what your teens, twenties, oh, oh, kind of like I suppose maybe nineteen, twenty, twenty one, <laughs> up a little later. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And just it, went off the wall altogether. Drink, drugs, you name it. Yeah. Just, craziness but just trying to block out and numb all of the feelings that Was that self-medicating? Oh totally For for totally, the Totally 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 didn't really like I mean I had such I had such a supportive network around me but I moved to the UK kind of 
suppose, not not too long afterwards. And I just didn't really want to deal with it. And that was probably my way of dealing with it. And I suppose looking back now, because, you know, I, I, I understand I am a highly sensitive person. I just couldn't process the emotions I was going through. So I just wanted to numb them out. And anything at all that possibly would do that for me, I was. Which, in turn, then would have led to feeling worse. Yeah. Um, so that kind of continued on. So what's the moment then? I mean, you're, you're, was it, you were still self-destructive in the UK? Oh, very much so. Yeah. yeah. So um, what's, then, what's the moment in the UK? What's that, what's that turning point? As in, what was the moment when you went, oh, hang on a second, this has to stop? I decided to move home. Okay. I was there for about, I think, three and a half years. And I was like, I just kind of don't really want to live like this anymore. So I decided to move home then. Um, started to build myself back up. Got a, like got a job in a local hair salon, Ballon College. Um, met my first business partner. We set up a business. Obviously, that took my mind off things then, yeah. and that gave me a new sense of me and who I am, a new sense of identity. Mm-hmm. Like, can I look back and say, was I really, 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 truly happy all those years? I suppose I was. Like, but I like Surf, I d- surface surface level, level yeah. And there, I mean, geez, that sounds awful because there have been so many periods of my life where I've been ecstatic, but. Did I ever really, really effectively deal with that death? Probably not. And it didn't really resurface again for me until I had my daughter, Sienna, mm-hmm. um, three years ago. Um, and after that, I went through, as I said earlier, a period of undiagnosed postnatal depression, which was it was just such a really, really profound place to be in because this baby had been much anticipated and I was so looking forward to her. And genuinely, it was one of the most happiest periods of my life but I felt so low and I think probably a lot of the unresolved issues from um, from the death of my first baby Harvey resurfaced after I had Sienna um, went through a complete identity kind of crisis who am I what am I doing where am I going and just completely got burnt out and stuff like that and that what's, was rock bottom for me I think what's the feel because like I mean what's the feeling of having a new baby mm. And, and and expecting there to be the happiest, you know, like this is a new chapter. This is, I can't, I can't wait. It's much expected. You know, your new baby is always seen as like this great thing. What What is it like to have a new baby, to look at the baby and to also have that feeling of depression? Like what's going on in your head in those moments? Because I don't think, I don't think I've ever heard someone who's had nothing postnatal actually say what did, does it actually feel like? Mm. They just say postnatal depression and then everyone just goes okay she's had a baby and she's sad yeah. and that seems to be like it just kind of gets swept away as that <laughs> yeah you know? it does like what's the feeling like I think like for me and my experience with it like I mean it wasn't it wasn't a case that you know <laughs> it wasn't a case that I was kind of you know constantly crying or constantly like couldn't get out of bed I functioned normally uh, well normal in my perception of normal um, like and you know Every time I looked at my daughter, all I could feel was immense love. But there was just something really unsettled within me that I just knew I didn't feel right. Um, there, yeah, I suppose. Did you feel guilt? Massively, yeah. I felt like I was. I put an awful lot of pressure on myself because obviously Sienna was born, she was healthy, so I was going breastfeeding, which meant I exclusively breastfed for six months, which means my sleep patterns were impaired. Everything that I was given her food wise needed to be organic, and you know, like unnecessary kind of obsessive compulsive behaviour really and because I felt 
I was probably trying to mask a lot of the feelings by doing these things and because I felt like that I was going oh my god like you're failing as a mother like you shouldn't be feeling like that which probably reinforced feeling even worse yeah um wasn't a bit kind to myself through that time um, then you've got the obviously surface level perception of you need to get back in shape again because you know the celebrities on TV are in size, size 8 after like 40 yeah. after having their baby you know so and there's just a lot of pressure on women to be the perfect mother um, yeah it was, a, it was an unusual place for, for me to reside um, it, it's it's so weird because when I talk about it like it's like oh my god like I was so happy I had Sienna but it was it was just such a profound place because it was stuck between being so happy but yet, there being a lot of sadness with it. Yeah, I suppose it's like a weight. Mm. You, you can be happy, but you're still you're still dragging and carrying that with you. Totally. Do you know, and, and you're always conscious of it. Mm. Even when you are happy, you still you you know you feel it. <laughs> it's there, like you know what I mean. It's yeah. always there, like yeah. It was the most unusual feeling I've ever had in my life because I don't think I've ever really experienced that level of kind of complete opposite <laughs> feelings residing in your body at the one time. Um, but yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah. So you got your own salon now? Um, I do. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at this going, I was going, I was going, right. So, and I went, what's the correct term? This is how, this is the fucking day and age we're living in, right? You're fuck. you're a hairdresser, right? And I was there going, is it, is a, st- a stylist? Stylist? No, it's, it's hair technician. You're a fucking hairdresser. And I went, why am I putting all this pressure to not try and offend somebody by calling them what they fucking are. Because <laughs> everyone now is fucking trying to beef up what they are. You're a fucking hairdresser. Okay. So, like, uh, yeah, I started off my career as a hairdresser. Um, I opened up my first salon when I was 24. Um, I was hairdressing and running the business for uh, four and a half, five years with my uh, business partner. We went our separate ways then and... I opened up another sa- salon. 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 <laughs> PC. Um, so continued on like the salons open now four and a half years. Crikey, I'm getting old. Um, I think, but, I think here's, here's the reason I was freaking out over the, the correct terminology is because people generally have a perception and I've seen it in comedy clubs. Somebody goes, hey, what do you do? And then someone goes oh I'm a teacher and they're like hey you fucking hey hey whatever some shit comic's trying to make some guys hey I bet you can teach me a thing and then they go hey what do you do and someone's like I'm a hairdresser and he's like do you see what you could have done if you made an effort looking like a teacher and I'm going hang on a second and I don't think that's fucking fair right hairdressers think about this you're the only people that have to deal with cutting one thing that is made up of millions of little things If there's a guy in a construction site and he's cutting a pipe, he's cutting one fucking pipe. You're cutting about a million tiny little pipes and you're cutting it as one thing. Like, I've got a barber, right, that I go to. He is a fucking artist. The man is a... It's the most skilled job I've ever seen anyone do. It is. The fucker is setting me on fire. He's fucking... I, I thought he was going to slip my throat a couple of times and he was fucking the, 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 I saw the cunt chase one hair for about 20 minutes and he wasn't happy till he got and he, and he got it and I could see the little thing I was like this man is a fucking sculptor of a head you're, you're a head sculptor is what you are yeah like I suppose hairdressers like the only other the only other kind of like art forms that you have that are 3D based like hairdressers you've got like florists yeah um, and people that kind of do those moulding things if they even do them anymore mm-hmm. you know like in a what's that ghost Oh yeah, pottery. Pottery. <laughs> did you really, did you really like, go you know, to ghost a, you really went to Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg to figure out that it was called pottery? It was fucking, you know, fucking. Oh my, you know the fucking the white shirt. 
but yeah like I like the hairdressing thing I think do you know what like I think that would have been an old stigma thankfully I think things have evolved a little bit now yeah I mean the hairdressing industry is a lot more diverse than it would have been 20-30 years ago there's so many different avenues you can kind of go down now like I chose to go down opening up my own business yeah and um, so that gave me kind of another avenue to explore than just the actual um physical doing of the hair um, I haven't been on the salon floor doing hair for well over a year now. Do you um, miss doing that though? Because that's the is um, that not the art? Is there is there an art, is there an artistic joy in oh. doing someone's hair, or do you just go bang another one done, or do you actually get like I I, I get a, I get this feeling whenever I create something, mm-hmm. whether it's a piece of audio or a video or a piece of writing, particularly mm-hmm. with writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love where, writing. Where, as well. Do you love where, it? Where I feel like I, I've crafted something. Mm. Do you get that feeling from hair from, from cutting hair? feel like I should say yes. No, you don't <laughs> um, have to say yes. No, like, um, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be very honest. Because all about that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be very honest because I'm here talking about doing a life coaching course and setting up a life coaching business and I have a hair salon. Um, I went into the hairdressing industry very soon after I lost Harvey. Yeah. And it was a really, really like phenomenal environment for me to be in it was very up-tempo community-based fashionable community-based I had a great network of friends and support which really really helped me through that period of my life um, I loved the environment I really liked doing hair is it my true soul passion in life? probably not that's no. alright which is why I went into the whole business side of things yeah. Um and when I look back now like you know look back and you go oh my god yeah it's all lining up synchronicity Um like my true passion actually is with like helping people and self-development and you know helping people kind of move past kind of problems and stuff and developing on and setting kind of goals for themselves to work forward yeah um i do i do i do really like doing hair but um no it doesn't set my soul on fire that's all right (laughs) that's all right you don't have to have a a, a genuine soul-based grow for it to be good at it like no and I yeah. like as in you know which is which is probably it made sense for me to go into the business side of things because I think I was really good at that and could really develop on that you yeah. know and everyone that, everyone that has a business doesn't necessarily mean they're they're solely 100% focusedly passionate on oh. exactly what they're it is that they're selling sometimes you just need money to buy bananas <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta do what you gotta do I love um, it in terms of for, for the listeners out there for anyone that's kind of of all the things that we've covered, mm-hmm. and a lot of it has been, you know, well-being and mental health based. Mm-hmm. If if there's anyone out there that feels that, you know, whether they're depressed or they feel an anxiety or they feel at a loss or they have that kind of that hue of depression or they have that weight on them or they feel like they're stuck and they're stuck in a rut or they feel like, you know, you said you had an identity crisis. Who am I? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of, is there any one thing that you could kind of go, that's probably the, the one dart that I would throw into the wall and say that could stem into every other thing that you could do to kind of help or fix one thing what's the most important thing do you think that would that would begin the journey to helping yourself can I have two you can have two okay I suppose like acceptance for where it is that you're actually at at this very present moment in time um like I know for me personally, like even though I, I, I knew in the back of my head that that I, like I was suffering from depression on and off for quite a while, I didn't actually accept it until much later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I'd kind of, you know, cultivated an attitude of like, this is my current reality, this is my start off point, things might have progressed on a little quicker. Um, and the second thing really would be just be kind to yourself on the journey, you know. Um, 
is a very lonely kind of challenging place to be at and you spend the most time with yourself inside in your own head with your own thoughts um, would you really speak to other people the way you talk to yourself? Mm. Yeah. Really? That's a good point. We're pretty self-loathing. That's, I know. <laughs> it is so like, you know, I mean, yeah. I know for me personally, like I've I've, take, I've taken quite a while to re-establish some kind of like enabling and powerful beliefs that I've had to work on and change in order for me to become the person I am today. Because, because when I actually sat down to process what actually, why is my confidence so low? Why is my esteem so low? It was because of the things I used to be telling myself on a daily basis that I wasn't even really conscious of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, In terms of the choices that you've made mm-hmm. throughout your life, looking back now retrospectively, is there anything that you would not have done? Is there anything I would not have done? No. 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 It's all like contributed there, like, to now. Like, you know, like, like uh, thankfully, like, I am in a headspace where I can look back and say, every, like, I look back on my life and go, look, uh, like, you win or you you learn, you know. Um, I, I don't really perceive huge things as failures. I, I, I look at them as that was a really good learning opportunity for me there. Um, yeah, there, there are times where, where I think I could have handled that a little bit better. But look, it was all part of my self-development and evolution. So it all stands for me for the greater purpose of, of my of my development. And finally, yeah. are you happy? I'm very happy. Thank you. I'm fucking delighted <laughs> to hear it. <laughs> I am. And I can truly say that like I'm 34 in June. I can truly like the past kind of 12 months or yeah probably coming up to about 12 months and um, say that yeah I'm probably very genuinely and authentically happy for the first time in my life well that was it episode 3 in the bag uh, I want to again thank Leanna Hanlon for coming in uh, she was absolutely fantastic and I really really enjoyed the chat I'm very grateful for her coming in uh, listen guys as I said before Get on it. Fucking get those subscriptions coming in. Give us those reviews. Uh, just tell a friend. So you got to listen to this fucking podcast. I really enjoyed it. And I do genuinely think that people that are walking off cliffs because of Pokemon des- <laughs> deserve, to <laughs> deserve to not be here. Uh, I do genuinely think that it's technology's way of culling the population so that fucking Android bitch can take over. Uh, So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks very much. And I'll be hitting you back with another podcast very soon. So, the next episode uh, will be coming at you like Cleo motherfucking Patra.